Welcome to another episode of No Parachute. Today is April 10th, 2020. Today is Good Friday. The first reading today is from Isaiah 52, verse 13 to 53, 12. A lot of long readings today, so I won't be able to read uh, entire passages. I'm just going to take snippets. Uh, Psalm is Psalm 31, and the response is from Luke 23, 46. Father, into your hand I commend my spirit. The second reading is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, and chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. The verse before the gospel is uh, Philippians 2, 8 through 9. Uh, And I think I just misquoted that. I think it's probably Philemon. Um, Come on. No, I was right. Philippians. Okay. Um, chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. And then the gospel is John chapter 18, 1 through the end of chapter 19. So we get all of chapter 18 and all of chapter 19 in the gospel today. <clears throat> so going back up to Isaiah, this is 700 to 750 years before Christ is born. Isaiah is uh, prophesying here. And again, I always like to think back into current context. If you look 700 years ago, we're looking at the 1300s, prophesying about something that 2020 is going to be like. Um, I don't think anyone back then would not have thought we would have flying cars. So we really missed that boat. But um, Isaiah is prophesying specifically here about the passion of the Lord. Um, He, I'm trying to pick my verses here, um, and I think the theme, especially in the first reading the psalm and the second reading, is this. He was spurned and avoided by people, a man of suffering, accustomed to infirmity, and we held him in no esteem. Yet it was our infirmities that he bore, our sufferings that he endured, While we thought of him as stricken, but he was pierced for our offenses, crushed for our sins. And then this is uh, the little single verse. It's verse 6 in chapter 53 of Isaiah. It says, We had all gone astray like sheep, each following his own way, but the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. Uh, I mean, how true is this in our personal reflection we had all gone away astray like sheep, each following his own way, each having his own favorite sin that does him in, each being unfaithful in his own way. But the Lord, being God here, laid upon him, being Jesus, the guilt of us all. The, there is um, plenty to reflect on on Good Friday. I think this is the message that embodies it, that embodies that reflection. I think there's other items, and we'll get to that in the gospel, that we can reflect on in the story. But the idea, not the idea, the, the, 
the fact that the God that created the universe, and when I say that, I always think about, again, the beauty of the universe, the beauty of this earth, that God, the one who created us so that we can choose him or not, said, I want to make that choice easier. So he came down, and I'm going to jump into the second reading and then, and then go back. Um, he, he learned... Okay, so... In the days when Christ was in the flesh, he offered prayers and supplications with loud voices and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. He learned obedience from what he suffered. And when he was made perfect, became the source of eternal life. The fact that he came down in flesh, that same God, right? Of course, we all believe that Jesus has the power to come down in, in flesh, right? If we were in Isaiah's time and we had an insight into the Trinity, of course, we would say that he had the power to do so, but none of us would think that the God of the universe would come down in flesh, much less come down in flesh and die for us. And that is the whole point of Good Friday. It's the whole, it's the pivot point of our meditation of what happens today. The Psalm, Psalm 31, um, the verse I want to kind of highlight here uh, is verse 12. Of course, it's on the next page. For all my foes, I am an object of reproach, a laughingstock to my neighbors and a dread to my friends. They who see me abroad flee from me. So this was um, written, David writes the Psalms after Isaiah, excuse me, and the rest of Isaiah is this same sentiment. And so David, King David here is really talking about himself fulfilling part of that, not fulfilling, but uh, impersonating maybe the wrong word, but um, part of Isaiah. And what we can see is that from King David, Jesus comes and, and King David may, though he had many faults, be a um, foreshadowing of Jesus and, and some of what Jesus will do as the King of the Jews. And that, obviously would bring us down into the gospel. Let's not skip the whole second reading. The, the highlight for me of the second reading is, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. This is Hebrew, so uh, Paul is speaking to Hebrew people in Hebrew language, speaking about high priests. To continue, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. So right here. So let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. Today on Good Friday, as we fast and remain abstinent from meat, let us 
when we're hungry, let us, if we're having a bad day, for me, when the kids are screaming, let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive the mercy and to find grace for timely help. Amen. The verse before the gospel is Philippians 2, 8 through 9. Christ became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Again, thinking about the idea that the God of the universe would come down as a person isn't really surprising, but the fact that he would be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Into the gospel, like I said, we've got um, two full chapters here, and I want to try to go through it fairly quickly, hitting the high points. So the first thing I want to touch on is in the garden, Judas brings the uh, soldiers and Jesus goes out to them and says, whom are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus, the Nazarene. He said to them, I am not, I am he, not that's me. He said, I am remembering the name. I am is the name the Jews give to Yahweh. When Jesus said to them, I am, they turned away and fell on the ground. That's not something I've ever made a mental note of when reading through John's gospel, his, his version of the, the passion. When Jesus tells them, I am God, they turned and fell from the ground. So Jesus reengages the conversation and says, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus, the Nazarene. Jesus answered them, I told you that I am and, and next he says, if you're looking for me, then let these men go. So he kind of continues the conversation, gets their mind off the fact that he is God and almost gives them permission to move forward. And we'll see this again with Pilate. Jesus almost moves this along. So Simon Peter, still not understanding what's going on, drew a sword, struck the high priest's slave and cut off his ear. Again, through this story, we hear that Simon just doesn't get it. He's, he's such a try-hard. He wants to be the best disciple he can be, but he gets it wrong at every step. So we, we come down to uh, them entering into uh, the garden where Jesus will be questioned by Ananias and Caiaphas. <clears throat> And as they come into the garden, Simon Peter stays outside and it says, and another disciple followed Jesus. The other disciple was known to the high priest. And so he entered the courtyard willy nilly and then had to come back out, speak to the gatekeeper and get Peter in. So again, something I'd never really meditated on was the other disciple or the disciple that Jesus loved is the phrase that John uses for himself in this telling and so John was able, he knew the high priest and probably the gatekeeper, but they didn't know he was a disciple of Jesus. For the one that places his head on Jesus's chest, asking who the betrayer will be. And, and as uh, John calls himself, the one, the disciple that Jesus loved, how did they not know that he was a 
disciple of Jesus. Because immediately they ask Peter, are you not one of the, this man's disciples? And this is the first denial. So standing around the fire, Peter denies him again. And then a relative of, uh, let's use his name here, the slave uh, Malchus, a a relative of his, says to Peter, didn't I see you in the garden with him? And Peter denied it again, and immediately the cock crowed. I, I think having a little empathy for Peter here, he's just trying to be there with Jesus. He's just trying to not get kicked out. He's trying to be a witness to this. And so the way that he is uh, excusing that in his own mind is saying, oh, I've got to tell people that I'm not his disciple so that I can be here. And how often do we excuse our sins because of what we think may be a greater good or what we think is a lesser evil, but how that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to deny Jesus point blank to other people, but it's also not acceptable to deny him while excusing ourselves and our own mind and our sin. Scoozy. Um, Sorry, that's a helicopter going overhead. All right, so we get into Pilate questioning Jesus. And Pilate immediately asks him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus' response is, do you say this on your own or have others told you about me? Like, oh, that was kind of insightful there, Pilate. And then Pilate asks him, what have you done? They say you're the king. Your own nation hands you over. Jesus says, my kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. Again, this is kind of like Jesus giving permission to Pilate to move this thing forward a little bit. To go, you know, my kingdom's not here. I am a king. Don't worry about it. And at this point, you know, Pilate says, then you are a king. Jesus said, you say I'm a king. For this I was born and this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate says to him, what is truth? So Pilate is really almost getting it. Like if Jesus would have stayed with him much longer, I think Pilate would have been the first Christian. Well, that comes after the resurrection, but, uh, you know, the 13th disciple. But Jesus kind of moves this thing forward. And so Pilate goes back out and they release Barabbas. And all it says about Barabbas is that he was a revolutionary, which probably meant he was a Jew trying to overthrow Rome for the Jews. But the Jews of that time, with Caiaphas being the high priest, really enjoyed the status quo. They didn't mind their power. They were a pain in the neck, probably to Pilate, the Jews, that, that, that is, because there were so many of them in that area that Pilate probably had to give a little to them, which we see here, um, obviously, in this story. So Pilate goes back in after Jesus is scourged and kind of and questions him a little bit more. 
and says, where are you from? Because he asked this because Jesus answered him and said, I'm sorry, the Jews answered Pilate when he says he has no guilt in him, says, we have a law that according to the law, one must die because he has made himself the son of God. And so Pilate goes, whoa, 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 the son of God, again, kind of getting it, brings it back in, asks Jesus, where are you from? And Jesus doesn't answer. At this point, Jesus doesn't want to stop what he is called to do. And so instead of potentially making Pilate the 13th disciple, he doesn't say anything. And so the last piece of permission Jesus gives, Pilate says, you know I have the power to release you or to crucify you. And Jesus says, if you would have no power over me if it had not been given to you from above. For this reason, the one who is handed over to you handed me over to you has the greater sin. So at this point, Pilate, which in the other gospels can literally wash his hands of the guilt of Jesus, but yet move forward to have him crucified. So Pilate writes, this is the king of the Jews over the cross. And the Jews say, you know, just say that he said he was the king of the Jews. And the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Again, they don't mind the status quo. And and I don't think that he put that inscription above Jesus ironically. I mean, he, he may have, but... I'm kind of having some sympathy for Pilate here that Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews, is the inscription. I think think there was a hint of belief there from Pilate. But he was too caught up, very much like uh, the thorns we hear in the parable of the sower. Um, But worldly anxiety, the lure of riches and the craving for other things intrude and choke the word and it bears no fruit. I think that's a great example of what Pilate becomes here. All right. Uh, We got to keep moving forward. This is a long one. Um, Highlighting the uh, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, again, likely John, behold your mother. And it's at this point that Jesus gives the church Mary. Which is why all four of you to listen know this, but which is why we love her so much. Uh, Again, the Jews being a pest to Pilate asked that the legs be broken of the people so that they were not up on the cross during the Sabbath. The Jews had to have just been a pain in the butt to Pilate. Um, So Jesus was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers thrust his lance into his side and immediately blood and water flowed out. It's from this we get from St. Faustina. O blood and water which gush forth from the heart of Jesus as a fountain of mercy for us, I trust in you. And a week from Easter, we get to venerate the image of divine mercy. 
So today, uh, my prayer is just that you can have a beautiful, meditative, contemplative prayer about the sacrifice of Jesus and take more peace into your day that above anything else, this is what matters. We pray all these things, Lord Jesus, in your holy and precious name. Amen.